If Stephen King's new book, Fairy Tale, asks a question, I think I'd be lying if I said I knew what the question actually is. However, question or not, the answer seems to be teenagers love Apple products. So uh, let me back up. This week, we're going to talk about the aforementioned book, Fairy Tale by Stephen King. I want to leave this up by saying that I'm about as up on the old school fairy tales as anybody would be expected to be without cracking into their copy of Grimm's fairy tales every chapter. You do have your obligatory copy, right? What this means is that my understanding of this book might be imperfect. I can tell you right now that while fairy tale contained many references to Jack and the Beanstalk, it was light on stuff like Hansel and Gretel, which was mentioned briefly. The book seems more concerned with labeling itself a fairy tale than providing references, which might be by design. The book concerns itself with a 17-year-old boy, Charlie. He's your pretty standard kid, I guess. Middle-class nuclear family, dad is an insurance adjuster, and mom is dying in three pages, so who gives a fuck? After his mom encounters the business end of a large truck, his dad starts to fall apart and becomes an alcoholic. I want to point out here that this book is definitely worth reading, but original, it is not. Case in point, the death of Charlie's mother. What's her face? Her death is described as basically the result of a semi-truck not paying attention and accelerating when he shouldn't have, at least according to Charlie. Any other constant readers out there want to tell me what other Stephen King work used this exact device to wipe out a character and kickstart the story? Say it with me, kids. Gage Creed. Pet Cemetery. Now, I'll give Mr. King the benefit of the doubt here and assume that he either knew he was stealing from himself and didn't care, or he really likes killing characters by car, which he was hit by a car and that led to the writing of Misery. He obviously didn't die though. That dude can take literally anything and turn it into a story. Stays at a cool hotel? The Shining. Someone coughs in public? The Stand. Plane running late? The Langoliers. Creepy cop looks at him wrong? Desperation. I could go on. Anyway, his mom gets turned into kibbles and bits by this truck. I can say that because I too have been hit by a car and have the Harry Potter style forehead scar to prove it. Not making that up. She gets murked for certain, and this leads. <laughs> she. <laughs> she gets. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm seriously trying to read this next line, but I think it's funny because it makes me think of Wheezy. Okay, so. She gets murked for certain. <laughs> See what I'm saying? And this leads into Charlie's dad finding solace in the bottom of a bottle. Another real-life king problem. Charlie's life starts to fall apart, and eventually it leads him to pray to God that his dad recovers. In exchange, because that's how religion works, Charlie would be a good boy. This leads me to my main criticism of the book. And the reason it's so annoying is because of Stephen King, and he should know better. Basically, the way Charlie is written is that he was once bad and eventually got his shit together. He's a jock, makes okay grades, and is pretty normal. But he was once a troublemaker, and he revisits his guilt often in the book. What this means is that Charlie is now perfect. I mean it. He's perfect to the point of being annoying. He always does the right thing, never gives in to temptation in any real way, never double crosses, or even really lies. He eventually becomes a prince, and I guess that's the idea but even princes are flawed. It's day one fiction stuff. Your characters have to be flawed, at least in some way. Maybe they're good people, but they're addicted to hardcore drugs. Maybe they have a temper and they beat people up that don't deserve it. 
Maybe they're deeply psychologically scarred and run around in a bat suit. We still root for them because we get that their heart is in the right place, but they are not perfect. Charlie, on the other hand, is. The way it's written is almost insulting in how hand-wavy it is about his past. Like, uh, I blew up somebody's mailbox and did a ton of other shit I'm embarrassed to talk about. Ooh-woo. It's written almost as an afterthought, and Charlie, at the time of the story, is a paragon. So, his dad recovers, finds AA, gets into it, gets a job, everything's hunky-dory. Therefore, Charlie now has a debt, although it's not legally enforceable in any country except Italy. Get it? Because the Catholic Church, and he made a deal with... The way Charlie chooses to repay this debt is to help out an old crotchety man. And boy does he. Speeding ahead a little, the old man is rich due to having an insane amount of gold. The book is called Fairy Tale, so where he got it is much of a mystery to the reader. Maybe like Rapunzel spun it out or something? Eh. That would be too much fun for this book. The real place is much more banal. A treasury. Seriously. It might as well be goblin gold from Gringotts. Wasted opportunity. Maybe Disney owns all the good fairy tales. Point being that the old man, who I've already forgotten his name, uh, I actually like literally looked it up when I was writing the script. His name is Howard Bowditch. Is guarding a gate to another world. So he grows attached to Charlie, reveals the secret to him, and then boom, croaks. Howard's dog is dying though, and this other world has a way to pull a share and turn back time, letting Radar, the dog, live a full life. All right, another full life. The book hints at a terrible price for this ability, one that Howard had already used, and it turns out to be sterility. That's the terrible price. I want to point out here that many of us would love to be sterile, and there are surgeries that can solve that issue without magic. Why couldn't it have been something truly terrible? Like, you have to listen to Three Doors Down every day in your head for the rest of your life, and nobody else can hear it. You'd be dead in two hours by your own hand, but still. It's a pretty terrible price. Sterility, not so much. After Bowditch dies, Charlie makes his way to the magical dial thing to reverse Radar's age. A lot of stuff happens. I don't really want to spoil the book that hard, although I've already dropped a few major spoilers in here. The thing is that you likely can predict most of it from here. Even if you get it wrong, it is likely more fascinating than what King actually wrote. It wasn't bad per se, just not great. There wasn't really much of a twist, and Charlie was a good little boy scout the entire book. You knew the whole time that Radar was going to make it. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm not going to sit here and act like none of my writing follows a format to the letter, but I can't get past the fact that this is the same dude who wrote it. Tell me that halfway through the book, it, you knew the ending. You'd be a goddamn liar. I encourage you to try to do better, though, because this book wasn't even off the presses before it was optioned for a movie. And it's mediocre at best. I'm not kidding here. It was optioned for a movie basically the second it came out. So, dear listener, if I can leave you with one thing, and I'm not done yet, but if I can leave you with one thing from this episode, go write something, okay? Because... Apparently, the movie industry rewards mediocrity. I think that King's intention here was to deconstruct what makes a fairy tale a fairy tale. By that logic, I guess he was accurate, assuming that a fairy tale is a story with magic that takes place in a world that's a skewed version of our own. The tagline for the book was that King went into the deepest well of his imagination. What the actual, literal, logical fuck does that actually mean? I mean, it's single-handedly the least imaginative things I've ever read by him. And I 
think I qualify as a constant reader. Like, you read something like Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer next to this, and it's no contest. Vandermeer made a world worth seeing in Area X, or The Shimmer for my movie homies. Stephen King had giant telepathic crickets, which is cool, but come on. The worst part about this is I've spent this entire conversation railing against the book, but ultimately it wasn't bad, by any means. It was a straightforward and interesting book, but it was predictable. I certainly don't hate it. I just feel like the setup had no real payoff. For example, his mom dying only served to get his dad drinking. It didn't have any real effect on Charlie. Early in the book, he referenced the goddamn bridge his mom died on, his words, but if you think any bridge plays a huge role in the story, it doesn't. In the end, Charlie saves the alternate world and goes home to be like a philosophy major or something. Along the way, he uses a lot of Apple products, which was a distracting and annoying. Look, we get it. He's an Apple henchman. Word up to Flossie Carter. A lot of us are, but it's not something that makes him interesting. Put a Google Pixel in his hand, and we know he's a true teenage rebel fuck-up. No hate on the Pixels, though. For real, they're dope phones, but good luck finding a teenager with one. The only thing I would consider subversion in this book is that Charlie doesn't get the girl. Not because she doesn't like him, of course she does, but because she's basically like, I'm not doing 25 to life, dog. Pats him on the head and goes on her merry way. You know what would have been clever? If they used the aging device to age him up to the legally accepted age threshold in the fantasy kingdom and she hit him up. Nah, he just bolted. It was heavily implied that some foreign power was using him to accomplish this stuff and it wasn't really him, but it never says who. And then it just goes away. You know what? The more of this I typed out, the more pissed I got. What the actual fuck, Stephen? Ugh. Anyway, that's Fairy Tale by Stephen King, a book you're legally obligated to like because of Stephen King, but you're not going to like liking it, likely. That took like four takes, so I hope you laughed. Next week, I'll talk about... Uh, maybe I'll get into some nonfiction. The Witch Hammer or something. We'll see. Until next time. Oh, wait, I'm actually writing this a week later, and The Witch Hammer is a massive project. I'll be getting into Johan jo jo Cabal. I'll be getting into Johan Cabal, Necromancer, next week. I mean, I, I don't know. I thought you might find it interesting if you heard script revisions <laughs> during the podcast. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I don't know anything more about this than anybody else does. I just know I'm not Joe Rogan, and I'm okay with that. Okay, so uh, uh, the Necromancer book is going to be next week. Um, Stephen King's new book is not that great. And I've also been reading a really interesting book that I think is worth uh, a lot of people listening to if they want to. I'm completely off script right now. But um, it's called The History of Hell, man. It's by Alice K. Turner. And it's um, another one like Heaven and Hell where it basically talks about kind of humans' fascination with hell. And one thing that really fascinated me about it was it was talking about how back in the Middle Ages they used to have plays and stuff, right? And because the best-known stories were biblical stories, they always had kind of biblical stories. So the fall of Satan or uh, the temptation of Christ, that kind of thing. And um, uni like just 100% completely, the most popular stuff that uh, was ever put on and the most expensive because they put the most effort into it was actually the parts that dealt with hell. They did very elaborate setups for hell because, I mean, heaven's a sky and some clouds, right? You put some wings on somebody, a little halo, you got an angel, but hell's complex. And I just really like the presentation of the book. 
but I can't find a Kindle version or a PDF version, so I'm reading the physical book, and it's kind of killing my soul because I just, I don't know, big heavy books, kind of over them. Anyway, with that said, uh, guys, I hope you have an amazing week. Um, Macabre Masters is still uh, working on getting our stuff together for the next episode. It's been really hectic in all of our lives, so please be patient and bear with us while we deal with, um, you know, kind of our personal lives. Uh, the plan is still to do the garage, and then I think we're also looking at doing Hellraiser, which I'm going to do a companion on as well for the two books, um, The Hellbound Heart and The Scarlet Gospels. So you'll get that as well. Uh, but all right, see you later. Have a good one.